You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. Good morning. It's good to be here with you, to be able to share in the Lord's Word with you and uh, to be able to fill the pulpit while Brett and Michelle and the family are on vacation. As Andy said, a well-deserved, much-needed vacation. I'm so uh, glad that I can fill in the pulpit here and share with you. We have have kind of a theme going. Uh, Andy did not ask me to speak on anything in particular at all. Uh, Andy, I don't think Andy even knows what I'm preaching on. Um, But I saw that he was the, on the screen, was, was the chairman of the outreach committee, I guess. And the prayer focus was on uh, light the night. And uh, so I guess the Holy Spirit just worked all of this out. The, uh, the theme for my message kind of reacts to those kinds of things and the need for those kinds of things. Because when I look at our world, <clears throat> um, and even sometimes at the church, it's, it's obvious that we have a problem. Well, we have lots of problems, actually. Um, But what I see often as a a temptation and a struggle for us as people is that our focus, when you think about your life, when you think about the direction of your life, you think about what's most important in your life, when you think about, as I said, the focus of your life, it's usually on me on us, on who I am. I mean, that's what's most important to most of us is what makes me happy, what makes me feel good. Selfishness has always been a problem. Do you ever notice one of the first things, lessons that you have to teach your children is to share? When they play with toys and there are other children around them, whether they're your own children or grandchildren or neighborhood children, what's one of the words that you hear said so often? Mine. This toy is mine. I want it. It's what makes me happy. It's what I enjoy having. It's mine. My wants, my desires. And we see it much more clearly than we see Sometimes the needs of other people. The scriptures tell us that there was a day that Jesus was traveling um, with his disciples, which was kind of normal, as we know. Um, we're familiar with, with the accounts of Jesus' life. And, and he heard his disciples having this conversation amongst themselves about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, they didn't quite understand what that meant, how that would be applied in an eternal kingdom. They were thinking more of the kingdom of Israel. But they believed that he was the king. Well, if the man that you're following around, that you are a disciple of, is the king, that would seem to mean that you're going to have a pretty special place 
in that kingdom. After all, you're one of the 12 closest people to him. And so they were having this discussion about who would be the greatest. And Jesus overheard it, and he asked them what they were talking about. And if you read that passage of Scripture, it almost kind of, it's like they got caught talking about something that embarrassed them. Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking about. There was another time in Scripture that James and John, the way Mark describes it, came to Jesus and they said, do me a favor. Can you do us a favor? I mean, that sounds innocent enough, doesn't it? Did you ever have anybody come up and say, can you do me a favor? And you're like, "Uh, what is it? Well, they came to Jesus and said, can you do us a favor? And he said, well, what is it? And they said, well, make one of us, uh, give us us a position of authority in your kingdom. Let one of us sit at your right hand and the other sit at your left hand when you get to your glorious throne. Jesus said to them, why is this about you? You don't even know what you're asking for. So even the disciples had that struggle. According to the gospel, according to Matthew, there was a, a rich ruler who came to Jesus. And this young man wanted to know what he had to do to, to receive eternal life. And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, that was the Jewish understanding of how you received eternal life. You kept all the law. You did everything perfectly. If you want to be perfect, sell everything that you own. Give all the money to the poor. Focus on heaven. Put your treasure, your focus on heaven, rather than your own comfort, rather than yourself, and then follow me. Peter came. Peter overheard that conversation. Matthew tells us Peter came to Jesus and said, Hey, look at us. We're your 12 disciples. We have given up everything. Peter was heir to a a fishing company, basically a family company. James and John, others. Matthew left serving as a tax collector, a wealthy position. We've left everything to follow you. So that makes us pretty special. Jesus, what are we going to get? See, the focus, even for the disciples, was, well, what about us? Have you ever had anybody say to you, or have you ever said, what's in it for me when somebody asks you to do something? How many times have we heard that or said it or maybe thought it? If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. And I'd like to read for you just a few verses, beginning with verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 35. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, which is what I use and. And it says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. 
When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. There's a word in the middle of that passage that I think really is a key to having the workers to work the harvest. I mean, we hear this passage of Scripture. I've heard it read in in, uh, commissioning services when a pastor is maybe being installed or a pastor is is, um, being ordained or a missionary is being commissioned, and we say, well now, see, here's, a, here's someone who has received the call to ministry, and they're going to serve as a pastor of a local church, or they're going to serve as a missionary, like Dave Roof. They're going to travel to Brazil and, and live in, well, sometimes homes that are not quite up to our standards, or they're going to go other places, to Africa, to Asia. And so we need to pray for them because they're going to be a part of the workers for that harvest. And, and certainly that is true. And yet, I think this passage of Scripture and the harvest that is out there requires more than just pastors or missionaries but includes each one of us if, if we can be like Jesus. The word that strikes me when I read this is found there in verse 36. When it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Compassion. Did you know that in the New Testament there's only two people that are talked about as being compassionate? One is Jesus. Kind of makes sense. Says it right here. And the other is the Good Samaritan. The man Jesus told a story about. Compassion is a pretty rare commodity in our world, isn't it? When we look at our world today, we look at, I don't care what it is, we we look at our communities, we look at our neighborhoods, we look at politics, we look at anything going on, and it always seems to be about anger, it seems to be about frustration, it just never seems to be about caring about other people. Jesus looked at the crowds. He saw their needs. And he had compassion. He cared about them. He wanted to see their lives changed. He wanted to see their needs met. And he reached out to them and he touched people who were sick. And he healed them and he taught them. 
and he shared the good news with them. One of the pictures that we don't often think about with Jesus, but tells us a lot about him is, you know that account when he said, let the children come to me. And he held them. And he talked to them. Because he cared for them. That attitude, an attitude of compassion like Jesus had, flies in the face of what is natural to me. Natural to us as humans. What's natural is it's about me. It's what I want. It's what makes me happy. It's what I need. It's not about other people. I want to take care of myself first. And then if I have the time, eh, maybe I'll reach out to others. See, the disciples suffered from the same condition that we suffer. We aren't that different. One day, there was a woman, according to Scripture, that wanted to be healed, or wanted her daughter to be healed. And it says that in Matthew um, chapter 15, it says that she just hung around the disciples constantly. And kept bugging them to see Jesus. Kept bugging them to let Jesus talk to her. To to let her talk to him. To have her daughter healed. Until finally the disciples said, Just send her away, Jesus. She's bothering us. When Jesus was out teaching. On a hillside there in the Sea of Galilee area. We're told that the crowds gathered around them. And what happened? They got hungry. Jesus had been talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus had been talking about the good news. But people get hungry. What did the disciples want? Just send them away. That's not our concern. That's not our responsibility. We don't have enough money. We don't have, there's no stores around here. Just send them away, Jesus. Their problem, basically is what the disciples said, their problem is not our responsibility. They should have planned better. They should have brought something to eat. You talk too long, Jesus. Now what are we going to do? You see, compassion, a heart for others and for their needs can be missing even from good religious people, from the men who are following Jesus and trying to be like him. We've heard this story of the Good Samaritan, I just referred to it. The only other person in the New Testament that's talked about being compassionate. You know that story, I trust. The man, the Jewish man who was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem down to Jericho, 
He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They took all his money. They beat him up, and they left him mostly dead along the side of the road. And a priest, I mean, talk about a good religious person. Jesus said a priest came along, but crossed over to the other side of the road. Didn't want to help, didn't have time, had other things to do. Then a, a temple assistant. That would be maybe like a board president or a lay delegate or somebody in a church that has a position of authority that helps out in ministry. They came along and they saw this fellow Israelite, fellow Jew, lying on the road, half dead. They didn't help either. They didn't want to get involved. It wasn't their problem. And then the Samaritan came along. The Samaritan stopped and helped. And he bound the man's wounds up. And he put him on his donkey. And he took him to the Holiday Inn Express. And said, here's some money. Take care of him. And when I travel back and forth this way, and apparently he did a lot, he said, if, he, if more money is owed, next time I come through, I'll pay. Jesus said, that's the one that had compassion. If you read that story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, what's the difference between the priest, the temple assistant, and the Samaritan? The Samaritan who should have been an enemy to a Jewish man. He said he felt compassion for him. So how do we, how do we care for the needs of others becomes the question. How do we get our eyes off ourselves? Because that's so natural for me and for each one of us to want to be comfortable, to want things the way I want them, to a world that's lost and hurting and needs to know the good news about Jesus. And there are a couple words that I think go along with compassion that I'd like us to think about today. One of them is involvement. Compassion means being involved. You see, that priest and that temple assistant just, well, they crossed the road. They got on the other side. They didn't want to get involved. I mean, think about it. It was risky. What if the same bandits that left this man for dead, what if they jumped them when they stopped to help? What if their friends heard that they had helped a Samaritan who was an enemy to a Jew? We can spend a lot of time some we can spend a lot of time coming up with all the what ifs, can't we? Well, what if this happens or what if that happens? 
mean, I can stand up here or Andy can stand up here as the outreach chairman or, or Pastor Brett can stand up here and we can say, you know, you need, to, you need to tell people the good news about Jesus. You need to share your faith with them. You need to talk to them about faith. And it's very easy for me to respond, for you to respond and say, well, what if they ask a question I don't know? I don't know the answer to it. What if they get mad? What if they don't want to talk? What if, what if, what if? And yet compassion means being involved. Crossing the road to help. Rather than avoiding. Compassion takes time. I'm sure that Samaritan had things to do. Many Bible scholars surmise that he must have been like a traveling salesman, a businessman, that, he, that the people at the Holiday Inn knew who he was because there wasn't a question about, okay, well, you're not going to be back. He said, you know me, I'll, I'll be back again. He had things to do just as much as the priest or the temple assistant did. And yet he stopped. And he bound up his wounds. He took the time. He took him to the inn. He stayed with him for the night to take care with, to take care of him. Compassion takes involvement. It takes time. Compassion costs something. It certainly did the good Samaritan. He took him to the hotel. He gave him, Bible scholars tell us, the equivalent of two days of a normal person's pay for the inn to take care of him and nurse him back to health. Compassion, really, I think most importantly, does something. It doesn't ignore it doesn't like the disciples say, well, send them away. It's not our problem. Yeah, it's a problem, but it's more than we can handle. We don't have the money. We don't have the time. We just, it's their fault. They traveled out here to hear you, Jesus. You talked too long. They didn't bring anything to eat. Just, it's, it's, not, it's not our problem. My friends, if we're going to make a difference in this world as the church, if we're going to make a difference, if the church is going to make a difference in our communities and in our neighborhoods, we have to have compassion. We have to be involved. We have to take time. It's going to cost us something, but we have to do it. We have to be willing, like Jesus, to touch people. In Scripture, Bible times, one of the diseases we know was, was leprosy. And um, leprosy exists today. It's, it's rather rare, it's certainly rare in our country, but even in other undeveloped parts of the world, it's still pretty rare. It wasn't back in those days. And they didn't know 
how you got it. They weren't sure, but they knew it was contagious. And so if somebody got leprosy, they were ostracized. They were told, you can't live with your family. You can't be around your friends. You can't even be in town somewhere. You have to live out in the wilderness. And, and if people want to, you know, give you food, that's fine. But otherwise, you, you just fend for yourself. You're just, you're just living on your own. It was so bad that the law said that if, if somebody who was healthy was traveling through that area, that the lepers had to cry out, unclean, unclean. We have a disease, a communicable disease. Stay away from us. Can you imagine that? Just being completely on your own, not able to touch anybody. Back when I was in college, I taught a fourth grade Sunday school class, and I was talking to them about the story of Jesus healing the lepers, and, and I said that they had to, you know, yell out, unclean, unclean, and, and one of the kids raised his hands. It happened to be the pastor's son, and he said, I know why they had to say that. I know how you get leprosy. And I thought, the fourth grader and he knows how you get leprosy well I couldn't let that go and I said okay Mark how do you get leprosy he said it, it's by not washing because you had to say unclean I don't think that was quite it maybe that's what his mother said when it was bath time you'll get leprosy if you don't take a bath I don't know but they had to announce that to everybody you can't get close to me. And yet Jesus touched them. Jesus cared. Jesus had compassion. How much do we as followers of Jesus Christ care about the people living around us. The people in our neighborhoods. The people who live next door. The people who, you know, you're looking up here. You're sitting a little, you know, lower certainly than the platform is. While I've been preaching, I haven't been counting because I can't multitask that much but there's been cars driving back and forth past the church there was a woman who started on this side of the church and went to that side of the church walking a really really little dog do we care about them Very soon, according to Andy, there will be a couple hundred, maybe 300, well, kids and parents, grandparents, wandering this street corner. Thinking, as kids do, and as adults do, about themselves. What kind of candy do I get? 
Can I just say that if you give out like little packets of Doritos or something, that doesn't work. You gotta give chocolate. It's gotta be candy, this is Halloween. You know, that's just my own personal thing. I guess there are kids that like Doritos, getting them. Not in my household. I bought Kit Kats. There will be kids wandering the streets. I would guess there are kids wandering the streets even when it's not Halloween. Do we care? Do we want them to know the good news about Jesus? And what Jesus has done for us You know, there's an account in Scripture of a man who was healed by Jesus. Who's had a demon cast out of him. And and he said to Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be a disciple. And Jesus said, no. Can you imagine that? That Jesus, somebody, here's a guy. And Jesus, if he knew everything, he knew Judas was going to betray him. Here's a guy who, whose life was completely changed and says, I want to follow you. I want to be a disciple. And Jesus would have the gall to say, no. But he did. You know what Jesus said to him after he said no? He said, what I need you to do is to go back into town because he too was ostracized. Go back into town. Tell your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, the people that you see at the grocery store, the people that you see at the mini market, the people that you hang out with. I want you to tell them what I did for you. See, that's what Jesus means when he says in this passage, pray Ask the Father for people to work in the harvest. Because it's not up to just the disciples, the ones that are called out to become kind of professionals, the pastors or the missionaries. But it's it's up to every one of us. Every one of us who have met Jesus whose lives have been touched by Jesus, to be out there and to tell others who Jesus is and how he's changed my life, how he's changed your life. That's been a problem throughout the entirety of the church, even from the beginning. Jesus' brother James, if you've read the letter James wrote to the church, Jesus' own brother, James, in talking to the church, said, what good is it if somebody has a need and we say, well, I'll pray for you. I hope you have a good day. If they need clothes, he said, give them clothes. If they need food, give them food. Don't just say, well, I hope you feel better. I hope you get something to eat. 
give them something to eat. What good does it do to just say, well, I've got to go have a good day. And yet how often do we do that? How often has the church done that throughout the history of the church? As I said, even back in the time of the early church in Jerusalem. We see people every day that are hurting. We see people every day that have needs, that are lost. And it's easy to say, I don't have time. I have things to do. I have places to go. I have people to see. It's easy to say, well, we don't have enough whatever. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough expertise. I'm not smart enough. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid that I'll say the wrong thing and do more damage than good. All the what ifs. And yet Jesus says, we are the ones. Not just the disciples. Not just the pastors or the church leaders. But we all have been called to be workers to bring in the harvest. He said, there's a harvest there. It's a great harvest. And, and I mean, it's a great harvest in the sense that it's wonderful to be able to tell somebody the good news about Jesus Christ, but it's also a great harvest in saying it's overwhelming. That's true. There's lots of people that need to know Jesus. Or do we sit quietly in the pews or in our house hoping somebody else will change the world? I believe the Bible tells us that Jesus' followers are to develop hearts for others, to care about them. That's what Jesus did, right? He could have stayed in heaven. Paul wrote that to the Philippians. But he didn't stay in heaven. He left heaven to come to earth because he cared enough about us. May we have hearts for others to make a difference in their lives, to meet their needs to reach out to them, to have compassion on them that they too may know who Jesus is. Let me pray for us. Our Father God, as we bow before you now, I'm thankful that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus into the world. His compassion was amazing. He gave up everything that, that, he, that, that, that he deserves that was his in order to meet our need. And now you call us to have compassion on the people who are around us. Not to be angry with them. Not to yell at them. 
not to speak down to them or to judge them, but to love them and introduce them to you. Help us to do that, Lord. I pray, as we've already prayed, for the light in the, in the night evening here at Faith Church. I pray, Lord, not only that there would be lots of kids and lots of parents and grandparents and neighbors that live around Faith Church that come here, but I pray, Lord, that you would also stir up within our own hearts a need to to help, to be here, to just hang out at the church and let people know we care. That this is a place of love and of concern for this community. Lord, may we respond to your call for workers. We may not be pastors or missionaries. There, there's enough of those. Help us, each one of us, to minister in your name to get our eyes off ourselves, to see the needs of those that live around us. Help us, Jesus, to be compassionate people. For I ask it in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com. 